Thank you, worship team, and you guys can be seated, and uh, we'll continue to worship, but what a sweet thing we get to do right now is we get to uh, open up our Bibles together and hear from the Lord, and so uh, I want you to have a copy of God's Word in front of you, so if you don't have a Bible, our ushers are coming around, you can just get their attention, or you can follow along with us on the Bible app, and we are going to be in the book of Galatians today. Uh, Galatians chapter 4 is where we're going to spend a little bit of time here, Galatians chapter 4, and uh, we are continuing our series on the power of Thanksgiving, and uh, we are looking at what happens and specifically what changes in our lives when we have hearts that are, uh, are full of Thanksgiving. And, and, and here's what happens. It's not only that like, your attitude changes and you're a little bit uh, more pleasant and easy to be around because you're not whining and complaining all the time because you're, you're thankful, but there are some really uh, very practical implications for following uh, this command to be thankful. And, and we have so much to be thankful for. And, and, and what happens, some of these things kind of surprise us. Last week we saw the, the power of thanksgiving for purity. And, and we were learning that the, the, the more that we grow in our uh, thankfulness for Jesus, impurity just loses its appeal. And we, you know, stop looking at pornography and, and, and watching sex-filled movies and shows and, and reading racy magazines and novels and engaging in sexting and flirting around with inappropriate relationships and all that uh, sexual activity outside of God's design in marriage. We, 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 we put all of that off because that's not who we are anymore. And we found something better. And, and we put on in its place thanksgiving so that instead of having a heart that, uh, of lust that like grabs at what it wants, instead we have this heart that, that is content, that just says, man, I have everything I could ever want and way more than I deserve in Jesus. And, and the more I grow in uh, a new and better and stronger love for Jesus, I find that he is absolutely satisfying like nothing else, and it expels any, any lust or desire for lesser things. That is the power of thanksgiving. And, and, and I realized that that was um, that's kind of a message that's kind of needed in our culture. I, I know it's probably likely that most of the people in, in our church family here uh, are kind of dealing with that to some degree or uh, and I, I, let me just encourage you, if you have not, like, let's go back and listen to that uh, message. And uh, if, if the Lord is working on you, if the Spirit is drawing something, would you just talk to somebody? Talk to a brother. Talk to a sister. We want you to experience incredible freedom and joy that maybe you didn't even know was possible. And um, the power of thanksgiving. Today I want to talk to you about how uh, thanksgiving changes the way that you treat other people. Because when you truly begin to understand um, and appreciate what Jesus has done for you and the way that, that, that he has treated us, that, then it stirs your heart to help others when you see them in a, in a hard or in a pitiable place that you've been in before. Today is Orphan Sunday. It's a, it's a thing because we make it a thing. And um, I, I've uh, learned a lot from an organization called the Christian Alliance for Orphans and, and gotten some of the material there. Just kind of understand the, the history of, like, why, why are we doing this? Orphan Sunday really got started, uh, as I understand it, a few years ago in a church in Zambia in Africa. And, and this pastor stood up before his church and just shared with his congregation the love of God for the follower, fa- fatherless and the call for the church to care for 
orphans. And, and, and that community was just ravaged by uh, AIDS and poverty. There was so much need there. But even in the midst of that, after uh, preaching through that, uh, the, the response was overwhelming. People just started coming and, and giving, even though uh, they had need. Literally had people like taking off their shoes and putting them in the offering basket so that they could care for orphans. They were moved with, with, with compassion and, and love. And, and, and so uh, it started something, and, 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 and God's been doing a sweet thing in the church uh, around the world. And we today are joining thousands of churches around the globe to celebrate the gospel and renew our calling to reflect God's love for the orphaned and for uh, the vulnerable children. And this one touches pretty close to home, and, and, and I just got to tell you, I think there are few things that depict the gospel more beautifully than when a child who doesn't belong, who doesn't have anybody to care for them, is chosen and adopted into a family that says, we want you. We love you. We want you to be a part of us and, and want you to be a part of our family. And uh, I, wanna, I wanna show you, because I, I think um, it can be helpful for us to just see this a little bit. I wanna uh, show you a, a video here. I want you to see, kind of get a taste of what this looks like when, when kids find uh, a new home and, and hopefully this uh, just kind of gives you a picture of what the gospel can do. Watch this. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh, oh. I have traveled so far. I have waited so long. I have almost given up. I have learned to be strong.
of the gospel that is. Let me tell you why we care about this. And, and before we jump into Galatians chapter four, I wanna tell you that this is something, um, I wanna go to the, see another scripture uh, that really points us and helps us understand. This is not just like a special thing. This is something that should be kind of normal here. And um, James chapter one, I've got it for you on the screen. James chapter one, verse 27. Many of you may know this. It says that religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans, and widows in their affliction. I want to help you understand that this is something that we need to care about because it's on God's heart, and he's called us to it. I'm hoping uh, today, I, I, I hope that this is in some ways kind of catalytic for uh, our involvement and, and, and that we would really uh, develop a culture of adoption and foster care in our church family. And so before we uh, jump into Galatians chapter 4, let me give you the big idea that I want you to understand and why this is so special and something that we want to uh, pursue together. It's this. Here's, here's our big idea. Our gratitude. So it's, it's Thanksgiving. Our gratitude for our own adoption leads us to care for the orphaned and the vulnerable. You get that? It's, it's understanding what has happened in my life, and, and I'm so thankful for that. And because of that, it's leading me into action. And, and so let me show this to you in Galatians chapter 4. We're going to uh, look at uh, this truth, something that maybe we don't think about very often, but we need to see this as part of our salvation. Galatians chapter 4, I'm starting in verse 3. Starting in verse 3, Paul says, In the same way we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So if you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if you're a son, then you're an heir through God. Man, there's some awesome truths that should make us really, really thankful in here. And uh, what I want to do is just give you kind of two uh, implications of uh, this reality and appreciating the gospel. Here's one. It's pretty obvious. Uh, number one, thank God that he adopted you. Like, look, look, look up here. I know you're taking notes, but just a minute. I just want, you to see, just want you to hear this. You are adopted. You know that? Now, like, like, I, I realize that like, some of you, I'm talking to believers here. This is those of you who have put your faith and trust in Jesus to save you from your sins, then that means that God has adopted you into his family. And, and, and some of you know that. Some of you like, are very aware of your, your past before you met Christ. And then there's others of you that, 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 that you hear that, and it, it just kind of sounds a little bit weird. Maybe that rattles you a little bit because you kind of feel like you've always 
belonged and, and like, like, like you've always been a part of, of, of God's family. And, and I want to suggest to you that if you feel that way, then maybe it's you just don't realize or you don't often consider the horrible reality of your past and who you were before Jesus. Because the Bible helps us understand clearly none of us are born Christians. Like, I don't know how many times I've, I've been talking to somebody and I ask them, they're, they're, tell, them they're, tell me your testimony. When, when was it that you uh, accepted Christ? And, and I, I feel like I hear this all the time. People will say things like, well, you know, I, I think I've, I've kind of always believed. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. Like, I, I, I get it. Maybe you were raised to believe in God, but that's not believing in the gospel. That's not understanding and believing the truth that you are a sinner who deserves judgment and trusting in the finished work of Jesus on the cross, on your behalf, in your place. The Bible helps us understand that we were all born into sin, and because we are sinners, we are separated from God. And maybe you did. Maybe you came to understand that at an, at an early age and you trusted in Jesus young. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. But if we're going to appreciate and, and, and understand the implications of the gospel, then we've got to recognize just how bad things were for us before Jesus. And, and, and Paul is reminding us that, that you and I were in a bad place right here in verse 3. Look, look at verse 3. Here, here's where we were. We also, when we were children, were enslaved. We were slaves. And verse 8, later he, he kind of clarifies that, that we were enslaved to those that by nature were not gods. We were enslaved to false gods running after other things that, that we wanted to satisfy us, that we were looking to for blessing. We were going after all. We, we were not followers of Jesus. We didn't belong to the family of God. You and I were enemies of God. We were living in rebellion against him. The, the, the Bible doesn't uh, talk about God's uh, actions towards us as if he was motivated by the cuteness factor. Right? Like when you, uh, you, know, you and your family go to uh, the uh, animal shelter and you're going to adopt a little puppy. You know? God didn't come along and he's looking at you and he's like, oh, you're just so lovable and adorable. And I just like, I couldn't help but just bring you home with me. No, I'm like, I, I didn't have the cuteness factor going for me. I was an enemy. I was not part of God's family. I did not belong. And it's really important to note this. I didn't want to. I didn't want to. None of us are seeking after God. I, was, I have a, a rebellious heart. I, I, I reject God. I, I didn't want to do it his way. I want to do it my way. I, and in that, I, I hated God. I didn't, I didn't love God. I was not lovable. I was hard to love, hard to love. But verse four, this is where it gets good. I was even in that state, verse four, when the fullness of time had come, he says that, that phrase is so pregnant with hope. This is, this is all happening as part of God's sovereign plan. Everything is on purpose. It's, it's right on time according to his perfect design. Uh, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of the woman, born under law. God sent his son and he came down as a baby, the incarnation. I know this is something that we normally think about and celebrate at Christmas, but I want you to understand uh, the implications and to consider the significance of what's happening here. What, what, what he's helping us see is that we were all in this pitiable state. Enemies of God, we were lost and completely incapable of doing anything about that. We couldn't fix it. There was, there was nothing we could do. We couldn't change that reality. It's like um, kids that are in an orphanage that don't have anybody and, and are 
waiting and hoping and, and some adults show up and they get their hopes up and they're just trying not to mess up their chances. And then their hopes are dashed and they're left still alone, unloved, unwanted, and there's nothing they can do about it. Our sin left us in this horrible state of, of loneliness and vulnerability. And the problem is it was kind of a mess of our own making. That we rejected. We were, we, we're not just victims. We were, we were enemies. But think about what he just said to us. But God, despite all of that, despite what we did, despite not wanting him, rejecting him, despite all of that, he moved toward us not away from us. He moves towards us, and even though we were in this miserable state and hard to love, and, and we didn't love him, he loved us. And he sent his son, and Jesus came and became a human and stepped down into our mess to live with us. And, and, and why did he do that? Well, verse 5 tells us. Why, why, why is he doing this? He did this, verse 5, to uh, redeem us, to, to redeem us so that we might receive adoption as sons. So before he could adopt us, he had to redeem us. And what, what did it cost for him to redeem us? Well, Paul's just told us that in chapter 3. I've got it for you on the screen. This is Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. This is how Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So Jesus hung on a cross, and it, and it cost him his life. He came, and he died so that he could make strangers and outsiders family. So that we could be adopted into the family of God and live with him forever. Listen, that ought to blow you and I away that God would choose us. In fact, Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that he chose us before the foundation of the world. Before he even made the world, he chose you and he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. But before all of this was even made, his plan, his choice was to adopt you so that you could be a part of his family. And John Piper has said it this way then, that adoption then means that God's, in God's mind, adoption was not plan B. It's not plan B. Plan A was not lots of children who never sin and never need to be redeemed. Plan A was creation, fall, redemption, and adoption so that the full range of God's glory and mercy and grace could be known by his adopted children. Adoption was not second best. It was planned from the beginning. Do you see this? Adoption is on God's heart. He wants this. And, and what a picture it gives of us. Think of, think of um, the fatherless, orphan, uh, those that are uh, vulnerable, children who have uh, lost their parents. Worse, think about um, kids that have been abandoned. And uh, um, Carissa was telling me this week, um, she, she's following a, a little bit of an epidemic in, in uh, China the baby girls that are just left there dying in orphanages. There, there are kids around the world that, that, that uh, have no one. And some, some children just don't, um, their parents are just not in a position to take care of them for whatever reason. And, and some of those are hard. And, 
And so these kids are left all, all alone, and they're bouncing around from place to place in a, in a foster system because they don't belong. They don't have anywhere to land. And then there are, there are teenagers in that uh, system, and, and uh, many of those teenagers are left unwanted and hoping they don't age out because people who would be willing to adopt usually prefer to adopt a, a healthy baby. And, um, you know, uh, older children and teens might have a horrible history, and inviting them to live with you means you have to bring all of their checkered past and their wounds and their scars and their, all their struggles in and into your home and into your family, and that can be a scary thing. That can be a, uh, an incredibly hard thing. So we, 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 we've got children, we've got teenagers, and I, I, think, of, I think of babies that have um, severe birth defects and health issues. Like, I wish we didn't even have to say this, but what do you think happens to most of those babies when something wrong is found out beforehand on an ultrasound? Unfortunately, a lot of them are just killed today. God help us. But what happens to them if they're born like that and then they're unwanted or um, their parents are incapable of taking care of them? And, and, and to think about ad adopting them could, could mean painful and costly trips to a hospital and just living around the doctors and just unimaginable trials and it could derail any plans that you have of, uh, of being empty nesters and, and having kind of a normal life because it might mean that you have to just take care of them until either you or they die and, and just there are so many burdens to bear. Adoption is a hard and costly thing but this is what God did for us. He moved toward us, not away. He moved toward us, and he chose us, even though we were helpless, even though we were vulnerable. But, but, but it gets even better because even more than just going through the legal requirements so that we could have a, a place to call home, he wants us to experience and, and, and taste the joy of being in a, a family where you know you are loved and wanted. He wants that for you. Look at, look at what he says in verse 6. Verse 6 says, and because you are sons and daughters, okay, because you are sons and daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. And, and, and we know that that term is a loving, endearing word for, uh, for the father. We would translate it like, like daddy. It's, it's the same word that Jesus cried out to his father when he was praying in Gethsemane. So what that means then is that we now, we get to be a part of this family. We get to experience and feel the same affection and love that Jesus has with his father because he's our father too. What an awesome truth. I, like, I, I, I am far from a perfect father. Jolly, don't say anything. I'm, I'm, I'm far from a perfect father, but my kids, I, I, I thought about it, they, they, they get my attention and they get my love in a special way because I'm their daddy. Think, think about what that means for you then. That no matter how hard life gets, no matter what it is you are going through, you are not alone. All is not lost. You have a heavenly father who is in control of everything. And he cares about you. He loves you. He loves to spend time with you. He likes to laugh with you. He likes to listen to you. He likes to uh, speak to you. He cares and watches over you. Praise God. And then it keeps going, verse 7. Look at this. If, if, if you're a son, uh, then you're also an heir through God. So we have an inheritance then that we don't even deserve. And, and, but it's ours now because we're family. We, we belong. 
We belong in this. It's not like, well, you're, you're the adopted kid, so it's not the same thing. No, we are family. We belong to this. And in fact, Romans chapter 8 tells us that we're, we're fellow heirs with Christ. When, when someone adopts a child into their family, it means their family. Their family, they belong. They, they inherit along with the rest of the kids, just the same. What often happens, though, with, with, with these families, people come up to them and ask um, questions. And th- th- things like, well, you know, are they your real kids? Or, or how about, you know, like, don't, don't you already have your own kids? And, and I understand that those questions, some, some people just don't get it. They haven't thought about these things. And, and so uh, it, they could be well-meaning. But, but you can just see how confused that is and, and how offensive that could be. Because the answer is, yes, there are kids. There, there, there are our own kids. It doesn't matter if they were born into this family or we chose to adopt them into this family. They're family. And all of your kids are your kids. They belong to Christ. They belong to you. And just as we have been chosen and, and by God to enjoy the blessings of being in the family of God and getting to call him our father, and we are his own kids. We're his real kids. Praise God. You are adopted. I don't know what else to say to that, but thank you, Lord. But, but let me then give you the second implication. I think the, the application of this truth, and, and, and hopefully you feel this now. Uh, here, here's, here it is. Here's what we need to do. We need to extend the same care for the orphans and the vulnerable. Let me say it this way. Our goal is not that adoption and foster care become some sort of special project in our church. Our goal is for this to just be normal, that, that, that we uh, uh, build an adoptive and supportive culture because this is who we are, so this is what we do. It's not just a theological truth. It's a call to action. Let me put this back up on the screen. I want you to see it again. This is James chapter 1. Now, in, in light of the truth that we've just seen in Galatians chapter 4 and what Christ has done for us, now I think this will make a little bit more sense. James 1 says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Makes sense, doesn't it? This is actually one of uh, 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 the natural applications arising from thanksgiving in our hearts for being allowed to be a part of a family that, that, that we don't really deserve. That, that we care for orphans and the vulnerable who, who don't have a family, who don't belong, that need somebody to love on them, need somebody to care for them. So we love in action and we do something about their situation. Why? Why? Well, we love Because we have been loved by God, and this is how he has treated us. This is what he did for us. And and so I want you to understand that this is important that we don't forget this. The gospel is our why. The why is the gospel. If if, what what, what motivates us and and what's going to sustain us when this gets hard is not primarily the need. Although the need is great. And I, I could share with you uh, statistics and, and stories that would make you just want to go out and do something today. And, and, and we do need to stay aware and know what's happening and, 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 and have our eyes and see what's going on in the world. But if our only motivation is the need, and then what happens is, you know, eventually there's other kind of more immediate needs that crowd that out. And, and if we're only focused and motivated by that need, then we'll always be at least tempted to kind of just count the cost to ourselves and maybe decide... I, 
I just can't do anything about this right now. Um, or, or you even get to the point where it's like, I can't do this anymore because it's just too painful. It's just too costly. But what I want to tell us is this, what motivates us and what will sustain us in this effort to develop a a culture of caring for the orphaned and the vulnerable is the gospel that tells us who we are and what Christ has done for us and how he has treated us. Because if we get into this, it's going to get hard. It's going to get really messy. Um, One of the things that Carissa and I had to uh, learn on our own failed adoption journey is that when you open up your family to this possibility, you're opening yourself up to a lot of pain. I think it's a little inescapable. It was actually seven years ago um, this month that we were uh, unexpectedly and excitedly in process of adoption. And, and I think back on that time and, and think about like the just, it was so obvious that God was working out details and he was, he was in this thing. But we also saw the reality of some surprising challenges, things that we, 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 I don't know that we would have seen coming. And, and we had to you know, work through uh, other people's misunderstandings and, and hesitations, those that were close to us and, and just didn't understand what was going on and, and why we were thinking this way. And, and, and we had to uh, challenge racial jokes and stereotypes that um, weren't funny and weren't helpful. Um, we had to deal with hurtful comments and questions, things like, well, you know, they won't look like you or, you know, what, what about your own kids or you, you already have kids, so why don't you just let somebody else adopt who doesn't have any as if kids are just kind of like this limited commodity. And, 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 and I, I get that there are things about this that just um, don't make sense to people. And, and I know, like, listen, our experience only scratches the surface. So many others have gone through way worse and, and things that they just didn't even expect. Because as you saw, like, on, on, on that video, like, there are beautiful moments that capture the love and the joy and the happiness, but there are a lot of other moments behind the scenes of, of tears and confusion and unknowns and difficulties, and it's painful. Maybe some of you have um, seen the movie Instant Family. Instant Family came out of uh, last year. That, that movie, I think, just captures some of those harsh realities that you can face. It's not all smooth. It's not all sweet. It's not always simple. It can hurt. It can hurt a lot. They were, um, we were literally days away from welcoming a new little baby girl into our home when it all fell through for reasons that were pretty painful for us now. And I was talking with Chris about it this week. And one of the things that God taught us, especially her, is that um, he really showed us that it was possible that we could learn to love her as our own. It was just as painful as losing a family member. But, but it's such a sweet thing, and, and, and we're, we're thankful for her life. We praise God for her. We don't know. Uh, there's little that we know about her now, but what we do know is pretty special to our family, and we love her. And I want to tell you, it's, um, if we get into these kind of things, we are opening ourselves up to a lot of pain. And, and challenges, and it gets messy, but it's our love for Christ and our gratitude for our own adoption that will lead us to love those that are on his heart too. That's the power of thanksgiving. So let's talk practically just for a minute, because I, 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 I want to, like, what, what, what do we do with this? How can, how can we care for the orphans? How do we care for vulnerable children? What can we do? Well, let me give you a few things. One is pretty obvious. 
uh, I would love for you to consider whether God would call you to adopt a child, adopt children. I think we need more families that are at least um, you know, willing to think about it and that, that, that want to put Christ at the center of their home. And I, I realize this is a, it is a major life-altering commitment, so it's not something that, that you just kind of rush into. And, and, and let me be clear here, okay? We are all called to care, to visit the orphans in their affliction. We're all called to care. But not every single one of us is called to adopt and, and bring a child into our home and, and, and welcome in that way. Not everybody is. But what if? What, what if? what if God would call you to that? In my experience, um, I would encourage you to just start having conversations now. It can take a lot of time, and, and it can be an incredible process that God has to work you through till you're uh, ready for this. And I know some of you, I know, I know the, the pain is there. Uh, th- th- these are... We, we all come at this from different angles and what's going on in our own lives. And maybe for some of you, this would be like plan A, like all in, want to be a part of this. For some of you, it might end up being a plan B. And I want to tell you, that's okay. It's one of those things where you have to walk into it, kind of holding it with an open hand and never know what, what's going to happen. And talking to someone this morning, it's not like this is, you know, nine months later, you have a baby. Like, you never know. But now's a great time to start praying and, and, and praying for others, too. I'm thankful for Chris and Abigail are in this process right now. And, in fact, the process is ramping up this month. And uh, I'm so thankful for their example. We just want to support them. We want to rally around that. And, and um, that's a part of us. And we would love to see more families just begin to consider whether God would call you to this. And the second thing you could do is think about uh, foster care. It's almost a completely different ministry, but such an important one to, to, to uh, you know, provide a safe and, and welcoming and loving place for kids that are in need, even if it's just temporary. I mean, there's a lot of unique challenges even in that. When I was a kid, my parents had an opportunity to do this. I have to confess to you, to my shame, um, I was adamant against it. I I didn't have the gospel pulsating through my heart. So instead of being thankful for God's love for me and wanting to share that with others, I I was scared and I gave in to my fears and didn't want anything to do with it. You see how this is a picture of the gospel, though? I'm so thankful for some of our families that are going through this even right now. Some of you know uh, Thomas and Paula and... uh, they weren't able to be here today because um, circumstances being as they were, but um, they just went through this whole process, and, and things happened unexpectedly, and they were praising God for it, and yet they're right in the middle of it. We're thankful for them. We want to support them and encourage them along in that. We've got another family that's looking into this process and seeing if God would call them to that. And let me, just, let me just clarify here, because I know some of you are listening to this, and I, I don't want you to get in your minds that this is a sermon for just a few people here um, that, that are interested in this. This is for all of us, okay? We're not all called to bring a child into our home, but we are all called to care, and everyone can do something. I've been helped by 
Jason Johnson from the Christian Alliance uh, for Orphans, and he gave us some ideas, just trying to give you some practical things to think about, because I think you can be a part of this too. Here, here's, here's our vision. Our vision in this is that there would be a vulnerable child who is wrapped in a loving family, and that loving family is wrapped in a loving church family. You see that? Let me show it to you. I've got a, I've got a graphic a model that might help us just to kind of consider like what this would look like and how do, how do we even go about this? How do we, how do, we do this? We want to have kind of a, an adoptive, supportive culture and, and that means that there's going to be various commitment levels and that's okay. And, and, and creativity and opportunities abound. Thinking, hey, let's, let's get some meal trains going. Like th- sometimes these ha- things happen fast. And it's like, oh my goodness, like how are we supposed to do this? And, and, and supplies, uh, uh, times where you know, like, all of a sudden you've got a baby in your house and you weren't ready for it or you've got a, a teenager in your house and, and there are needs there. We can treat it almost like a baby shower and make sure they have what they need. And then, uh, you know, they're, they're, these families sometimes need some rest and need some help and so they need babysitters. And because of the system, the, the rules that are in place there, they need to make sure that there are babysitters that are certified, that are qualified, to able to come and help them and give them rest, give them respite. There, there, there's opportunities to go to court with them. These are, these are emotionally uh, uh, difficult, uh, beautiful, but hard uh, moments that we can walk alongside them. I, I was talking with Thomas and Paolo. They just said, you know, it's, it's just been so encouraging to have people that, that just check in and ask and, and just know that people are, are praying. We do this together as a community, as the family of God. And there are other uh, ways to make an impact, Lauren Witherspoon, working with Second Story and other organizations and, and, and ministries that are trying to meet needs in our community and around the world, and we're so thankful for those. And I, I, here, here's, here's what I want to do. I know this, this might sound a little weird. It might sound like not something we normally do, but uh, I would actually like to give you a very practical, tangible thing that you could do right now if you're interested in this. What we're, what we're trying to do is find out the people that just have a passion for this, that, that have, a, have a heart for the orphan and uh, the vulnerable and and. and, and, and if that is you, um, we, we'd, we'd love to see the passion and, and put some kindling on this thing. And, and I don't know what God is going to do, uh, but um, if you're interested in carrying on the conversation and being involved in a team that's thinking creatively and strategically about this, we'd like to know who you are. And so I'd encourage you right now, if you want, uh, go to our website, fairfaxbible.org. You go to our Next Steps page, and there's a button right there on our Next Steps page uh, for um, adoption and foster care. Just let us know uh, if you would be willing to um, maybe be a part of a team that would gather together, get together for an info meeting and start dreaming, start dripping slowly and help us. We're looking for champions, those that are willing to help our, uh, our church family uh, really support this. Let me reiterate again, our, our, our goal is to put the gospel on display. To be a a community of believers who are so full of thanksgiving for the love of Christ that we just want others to experience that too. We want, we want to demonstrate God's heart for the lost and the vulnerable. Are you thankful that you have a good father? What a privilege we have. Father, I thank you that we can even call you that. I thank you that you care. I thank you that um, sometimes I don't even take time to consider where I was before. 
what life was like before Jesus, what life would be like without you. I'm so thankful for what you accomplished for us, what you call us to, what you've allowed us to be a part of, and it's a special thing that we get to gather together with people that we know and love, and and we call them family here. And I pray that you would stir in our hearts, that this would be catalytic for that uh, pursuit of having a, a culture that reflects the gospel, that we would do what you've called us to, and we would see other children cared for and loved and wanted placed in homes that are a part of a a church family that are continually pointing them to Jesus, helping them see their need for you. Lord, you are a good father. And I thank you for your grace, for your mercy to us. We give you praise in Jesus' name.